Well, let's go in the Bible this morning quickly to the book of, uh, book of Hebrews. We're going to be looking at chapter 13. I've been in a series that I believe the Lord put in my heart several weeks ago, actually before everything began to break loose in the world. God began to speak to me about navigating the times. Now, you guys know that know me. I'm not a, uh, what, what do you call, I'm, I'm not one of those preachers that just grab somebody's message and go. I've always believed that whatever I speak, God has put in my heart, that it's a word for the moment. And I believe this entire series has been because I believe it's important if you and I are going to be victorious. Now, I know Jesus is with us, but you've got to know how to navigate through the times, even with Jesus, because because I believe that he's got a way of guiding us. We started out this series. We're in our fifth week. This will be the final message. The first message we preached and we declared to you, and I believe this with all of my heart, you and I need to be focused totally upon Jesus. And if you ever was in a moment that you need to be sold out, settled in your heart, that you are a child of God, it is right now. Don't you put that off. This is no time to play games. I believe the second message we ministered was simply this, that you and I have got to know and stand upon the Word of God. Not just know a promise, not just stand on it, but we need to know. We need the Bible in our heart. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path, uh, the psalmist David said. He also said it like this, it'll make me wiser than my enemies, and it will bring comfort and hope to my life, and it will tell me about my future. I don't think anything is supposed to be taking us by chance. And none of the stuff going in the world is really by chance. It is the Bible unfolding in real time right before us. What is interesting about this time in our age of technology, did you realize that Jesus could come and the whole world will know it in the moment that he appears? The whole world. Here's the third thing. Pastor Scott ministered this word for us that we are to be watchmen, that we are watchmen, and that we are to proclaim and declare uh, so that people are not overtaken. We're to watch over one another, to be protectors and caretakers for one another. The last week I ministered this to you. I hope if you haven't seen these, go back on YouTube. I believe you could watch it there. It's simply this you need your church. You don't just need to say, I'm, I go to church. No, you need your church. I run into people all the time. Uh, where are you from? What church you attend? Christ Church. Oh, you do? I don't know. I, I don't see you, but evidently you take claim to us. And I don't believe that you just need to watch us online. I'm thankful for technology, but God never intended for us to sit home in our pajamas with our cup of coffee and sit there and say, that's church. Now, if you can't get out, if you're sick, if you're in a nursing home, if you are in prison or whatever, thank God for technology. Last week or a week ago, I heard Pastor Jensen talk about his. They go into prisons every week. They've set it up. That's a part of their campus ministry. In one of the ladies' prisons, one of the new ones they just went into, they had 70 women show up for church in that women's prison. Out of that one service, 50 of them were born again at the very same time. Can you imagine that? 
So thank God for technology. Now today, I'm going to wrap this up and I'm going to show you something through the Word of God. I've got no motive other than just declare to you what I believe God is saying. And I believe it is simply this. You need your pastor and we need one another. That is one of the greatest needs of this hour. We need a pastor and we need one another. The reason I say that because we've got a lot of people listening to a lot of voices. And you better make sure who you're paying attention to because not every voice is going to be a voice of the Lord for your life. Okay, y'all got real quiet there. We're in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Now let me lay something out for you through the book of Hebrews so that you'll understand we're going to be in chapter 13 because the book of Hebrews is, is I believe, written by Paul that Paul was writing to encourage the church to help give them direction to stay focused to God and to not lose their faith in the Lord because great persecution had rose up from without and persecution from within. You couldn't imagine that anybody could be persecuted from within. I'm here to declare to you, according to the Bible, according even to the words of Jesus, that persecution is going to become greater and greater as we get closer to the coming of the Lord. We see this right now in our nation against those that are standing against Israel. Who would have ever thought that a nation that has stood so closely to Israel, but its, but its citizens are standing against it and upholding the hands of Palestine and Hamas and wishing the death upon Israel. Listen, church, that's not just in New York City. That's all around us, possibly even some of you in this room. So there's persecution that comes from without and persecution that will come from within and even as believers not just because of Israel but because we're followers of Christ the Bible tells us that that pressure and that the struggle is going to get greater and greater as we come closer to the presence of God. Now, now listen, when I'm talking about navigating times, I'm not just talking about religious and spiritual issues. I believe a lot of us have issues all the time that we don't realize that we got to know we need some help. We got to figure out how to navigate through that. If you lost your job, you're in a difficult time. If you lost a loved one, you're in a difficult time. Maybe some of you've just gotten a year older. You notice you've got a few gray hairs or you've lost some hair. I got news for you. You are in a difficult time and you need to know how to navigate through that. So Paul is talking to them through this difficult time. Can you imagine? I want you to think about these people Paul are writing to. Now they're, they're being persecuted because they're following Jesus. These are Jewish people persecuting other Jewish people for following Jesus. Because what has happened is, for hundreds of years, they have followed Moses and the law. And in the New Testament, Jesus has come on the scene to be the answer. 
And we've got a group of people that have said, Jesus, I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. And they're following Jesus. But then there's still that religious segment from centuries or for hundreds of years that are saying you're missing it because you're not doing it like this. How many knows that time changes? Things change. Even sometimes in our present world, many of us have seen the changes of church. Some like it, some don't like it. Some go with it, some oppose it. Here's the reality. The message never changes, but methods do. And we're all in that. In our lives, we're there. Did anybody come up in a horse and buggy this morning? Some would say, that's the good old days. I want nothing to do in being in a wagon behind a stinky horse. Matter of fact, I want the latest and newest. I want seat warmers and seat coolers. I want to just talk to it and it comes on. Come on, we're all there. How do you know that? Why are you driving your new car then? Because that old one back there, manual shifts, shifting the floor, that was a good car back there. But it will not do in this present moment. Look at your neighbor and say, time brings changes. And God had a plan. And God knew from the foundation of the world, things were going to change. They are pressing into Jesus, brought them a challenge. But Paul encouraged them to go on in to perfection. He said, I want you to grow up. He said, I want you to mature and not lose faith that God that, w- that is there, that God is moving. Don't lose faith. Even in a moment when your faith is going to be tested and you're going to have to demonstrate the love and the life of Christ, even when everything is coming against you. It wasn't an easy task for them. But this is what Paul encouraged them to do. As he write, as you read through the book of Hebrews, you need to understand what you're reading. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Now God spoke in times past to our fathers, but in these last days he has spoke to us through his Son, who is the very image and the expression of his brightness and of his glory. So Paul had to write this to this church that is looking back under this persecution, and he was declaring to them the superior of Jesus over that over that uh, Judaic system that Jesus was greater than the angels because the angels were made to worship him he's better than Moses they would call him their father but God is the one that created Moses he's better than the Aaronic priesthood for they offered sacrifice daily on behalf of the people but Jesus offered once and for all. He completed it and finished it. He's better than the law for Jesus is now the mediator of a new covenant established with better promises that you and I can behold and you and I can walk that out and we can live in them. That's what Paul was constantly shouting to them because there was a pull for them to go back And many of them were quitting. Many of them were walking away. Many of them were giving up. So that's why when you read through here, everything Paul is saying, 
When you read through the book of Hebrews, understanding will help bring you an understanding of what the book is about. He talked about those people of faith. Do you ever know that people of faith, if you're in faith, you'll never have a problem. Then you need to read Hebrews 11. Because they had great faith and they had to pioneer in moments that they didn't see and understand everything. Matter of fact, the end of the book of chapter 11 says, Now these are those that were people of faith that gave up their loved ones. They were sawn in sunder. They were burned at the stake. They were hung. They were crucified. They were this and that. And this is what the Bible said, that yet they remained in faith. And Paul said this, looking unto Jesus, the author, seeing we've got such a great cloud of witnesses before us, don't you dare give up. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't no time to give up. We're going to press on even through the difficult times. But now let me wrap up. Let me, let me get this jet down quickly. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 12. And I want you to look at verse 25 because Paul now is saying something I believe to all of us. He said, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven whose voice then shook the earth, but now his promise saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this, yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Look at verse 28. You need to mark this stuff in your Bible. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Paul tells us that things are going to shake both things in heaven and things in earth because the shaking is going to reveal, it's going to reveal us. It's going to reveal what is of God and it's going to reveal what is not of God. The Bible declares to us that the earth, the heavens and the earth will shake and God said this is all his doing. It's what he just wrote. Once more, I will shake it. So what is he speaking here? So that we may serve him. Notice what God said, that we may serve him with godly reverence and godly fear. Let me break it down just a little bit more. He said, let us have grace. Let us have grace. Well, first of all, we know grace comes from God. It's the gift of God. The Bible said we are saved by grace. What is grace? It's that unmerited favor. We are saved by grace, that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. So I've got news for you. There's grace for you today. There's the strength of God for you today that will get us through whatever we may be facing. Another definition for the word grace there would be thankfulness. Let us therefore have thankfulness. Let us have thankfulness. And may we serve God acceptably. Notice what he said there. That we may serve God acceptably. Now, if we're not careful, we're going to get into works. 
God's already dealt the, the whole issue that we don't have to work to earn our salvation. Our salvation is by faith in Christ. So what is he talking about? He's talking about may we serve God well. This is the definition. May we, the, for acceptably, may we serve him well-pleasing. Well, how am I going to please God? He gave us the answer. By giving him reverence and godly fear. What do you mean, pastor? By giving him reverence and godly fear. By acknowledging that he's God. He's the creator. He's the master ruler. He's the one that holds all things together. The Bible declares in the book of Isaiah, he holds the earth in the palm of his hands. He weighs the mountain and the hills with his scales. He even gave a command for the ocean. Hey, you're big, but you don't go beyond this line unless I give you liberty. And if you and I don't acknowledge him as God... You and I play God. So we think we know what we can do with our life and how we ought to conduct it. I was thinking about this this morning or as God began to put this in my heart. I want you to think about this. We have a New Testament made up of 27 books from Matthew to Revelation. Am I right for my Bible scholars in the room? I think it's 27 different books. Four of them talk of totally about Jesus' coming, what Jesus did for us, and the work of Calvary, the work of redemption. The fifth book, the book of Acts, tells us about the empowering of the Holy Spirit that God said, I'll never leave you. I'm going to be with you because I'm going to fill you with my spirit. So out of 27, if I take five away, I'm going to do some math, see how smart everybody is in the room, that leaves me how many? 22 books. I'm not trying to make anybody look like a dummy, but here's the deal. The next 22 books tell us how that we're supposed to be conducting our lives through what Jesus did at Calvary. Now think about that. For It took five books to make it happen. It takes 22 books for us to get it figured out. So maybe we're a people that's a little hard-headed and a little stubborn and the nature to be a God within ourselves because that was the deception in the garden that the enemy says, if you eat, the moment you do, you will be like God. I believe she interpreted it like this, or he was saying it like this, if you eat it, you'll be a God and you'll know right from wrong and you can do all of these things. Y'all really quiet. But he said, we're to honor him with reverence. God, you've got everything in control. You know, I've come to figure out this. I wonder how many of us really believe God. Don't answer me. How many of us really have faith in God to just take God at his word? I don't have to see nothing. I don't have to feel nothing. I'm just taking you at your word. Because he's the word made flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible said he was before all things, and by him all things exist and consist. But it's interesting to me, we're always looking for something new. Always. I'm looking for the next word. I'm looking for the next movement. And I deal with pastors all the time, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really challenged by this because I've prayed with them all over the region, around the country, and everybody's screaming and crying out for revival, and I'm asking the very same thing. What are you looking for? 
Because there's something in us that says what God may be doing now isn't sufficient. Or maybe it's not God. When maybe there's more God going on than what you and I can imagine. Hello? There may be more God going on than what any, but I like this and I like that. It's all right. It's a part of our flesh. But the reality is I've got to come to that spot to just say, God, I simply trust you. I honor you as God, creator, master, ruler of the universe. And I live, I give you honor with godly fear. What does that represent? Knowing one day I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to give an account for my life. I'm going to tell everybody again in this room, I've told you many times, everybody's going to go to heaven. But not everybody's going to stay. Everybody's going to see him face to face. Everybody's going to give an opportunity to account for your life. It's what the Bible says. I'm not making that up. I don't know when that'll happen. But but the word of the Lord says that one day we will give an account at that great white throne judgment. Every man on the planet that has ever been born, past, present, and future to come, is going to stand before Jesus. And then I like the last passage there, our last verse of that chapter. And he says, for our God is a consuming fire. Man, God, what are you talking about? You're a consuming fire. What does fire do? Put it back in that day. Most of us, when we think about the fire of God, we're thinking always about judgment. But the reality is God said, I'm the one that's going to reveal my glory and my might in the earth. The scripture declared through the prophet Isaiah that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. When God first appeared to Israel after they were brought out of bondage, he appeared to them on the mountain in dark clouds and lightnings and thunders. And then when they built the tabernacle and built it according to pattern, that the glory came down and rested upon the tabernacle. It was a fire by day, it was a fire by night, and a cloud by day. It revealed his presence, it revealed his glory. God said you want it in a greater way. I'm telling you, God's here whether you feel it or not. Until you and I get convinced that God is here, you'll be chasing always somewhere else. Or somebody else has got to come and do. When God has sovereignly, when God has brought us together, when God has chosen to do things this way, well, I, I, I just think we need this. Maybe what we ought to do is just take God at his word. Well, pastor, if God's going to shake everything and we're going to remain, he said, the only thing that's going to remain is that which is of him. Then here's the question I'm, I'm going to ask. But how are we going to make it? I'm glad you asked. That seems to be a question all through the Bible when God would move. When God told Moses to go deliver his people, he said, but Lord, who am I going to say? He's asking the same question, but how? David said, but Lord, who am I? Gideon felt like he was miserable, and God looks at him and said, Almighty man of valor, rise up. 
We could talk about Deborah. We could talk about Ruth. We could go all the way through the Bible. Everybody was asking this very same question because they didn't feel adequate enough at what God had given them assignment to do and told them who they were. They still refused almost to believe it. And they're asking that question. So Paul gives us an answer. How we're going to get through the shaking how we're going to get through the things. I'm going to tell you again, there's two things you need. All, actually, all five, six things I've brought to you. You're going to need a pastor, and we're going to need each other desperately. We're going to need a pastor, and we're going to need each other desperately. Look with me at Hebrews 13. I'm going to go front to back real quick. i got to land this jet. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Paul says something like this. He said, remember those who have rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. Listen to what he said. Whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. And then I want to add the next verse to that because I find it very interesting where God put it. Right after that. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wait a minute. Remember, he's still dealing with this people that's dealing with Judaism. He's still dealing with these people that's dealing with the priesthood. He's still dealing with these people that's offering the sacrifices back in the temple. And Jesus said, remember those who have the rule over you. Remember them. Don't lose sight of them who have spoken the word of God to you. Listen, whose faith follow. This is why it's so important we that call ourselves leaders in this room. We don't need to be wishy-washy, shaky, and chasing everything under the sun. We need to be solid. Come on, we demand it of the world. But we, the church, are as weak as them. Hello? Remember, remember, stir it up in your mind. Keep it in your mind. Even from Israel, when they were scattered and God was bringing them back. Listen to these verses. I don't have time to throw everything up on the screen. But notice something he said. He said in the book of Jeremiah 23, verse 4. Actually, verse, start with the first verse. You don't have to go there, Mindy. He said, woe to the shepherds that have scattered my sheep. Wait a minute. When the sheep got scattered, they wound up in bondage. When the sheep got scattered... I want to give you, the Bible gives us a definition why we're, in the, why we're in the condition of what we're in today. I believe it's found in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Maybe around the 15th verse, y'all can check it out later. But this is what the word says. It says, because there was no teaching priest, the people turned to their own way. Because we've refused, because we've come to that point to say this is the way, walk in it. I know not everybody has, has triggered away. I know there's been a lot of faithful men and women that have stood behind the pulpit. But when we refuse to teach and follow godly leadership, we're going to turn to the way of the world. Believe it or not, we're going to act like the world. We're going to be right in the midst of it. And most of the time it leads us into bondage. He said there, Jeremiah, he said, but I'm going to bring my people back to their foes. Remember, I used that last week. We need our church 
This idea that I'm going to float around and move around and be everywhere. Well, I, I, Pastor, I'm just not being fed there. You know, it's sometimes like people that come to us and said, you know, I don't have nothing in my cabinet. And I know that's a lie. I know there's food out there for people. Just sometimes you don't get what you want. That's sometimes the way it is at our house. What do you want to eat? I don't know. But it's the reality of where things are. But he said, my, I'm going to bring my people back to their folds. I'm going to set up shepherds af- over them. That's after my heart. That's got the will of the Father because you guys don't belong to me. You're God's. I may say this is my church, this is my congregation, but you really belong to God. And I'm going to answer to the Lord for what I'm sharing and imparting into you. So he said, my people that will feed my people, this is what he said, my people will not fear, nor will they lack, says the Lord. Now, wait a minute. There's something supernatural happening. They're in bondage. They're lacking. They're in slavery. God said, I'm going to bring them back to their folds. I'm going to raise up shepherds that will feed them, and fear will be driven out. Not only will fear be driven out, but my people will not lack. And then he goes on to say a little bit further with these shepherds. Go to the next verse. Uh, Oh, there. No, go back right where you were. Go, go back. There you are. And I will set up shepherds over them that will feed them. They will fear no more. Neither be dismayed, which means to be broken down by fear and violence. Sometimes you got to have people come and say, hey, settle down, everybody. It's going to be okay. I like baseball. And I noticed something over the years watching baseball, especially a picture, a pitcher. He's pitching that ball. He's, he's got a couple ending, innings under his belt. Man, he's been firing it right across the line. And then all of a sudden, it just seems like he can't find his target. Or either that, they're beating the ball everywhere out of the... And the score seems to get, you know, and everybody in the stands, get that joker out of there. We're all coaching. Throwing stuff at the TV and everything else. And then all of a sudden, here comes the pitching coach. Walks out of the room, walks out of the dugout, comes out to the pit. The whole game is stopped for a few moments. And not always do they take that guy out. But I noticed something about our coach. That he walked out, just put his hand on the shoulder and talked to him because we don't have a clue what he's saying. And then he goes back to his seat. And the guy gets up and he starts throwing again. They asked him in an interview, what are you doing? He said, I just walked out to settling down. And sometime the church needs somebody to put their hand on you and just say, you need to settle down a bit. Everything is going to be all right. Come on. I got to feel it. Everything's going to be all right. Oh, I got to feel it. Even when it looks dark. But you see, I got to have somebody come put their hand on me once in a while. Say, hey, everything's going to be all right. Just settle down. Settle down. But notice something, the correlation of the shepherd with the sheep. 
Psalms 23, it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. Notice the correlation of the sheep and the shepherd. The Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter 9, Jesus went about all the cities preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all sickness and disease among them. The next verse says this in verse 36 of Matthew 9. It says that when Jesus looked up over Jerusalem and saw the need, this is what he said. He said, my people are like a sheep without a shepherd. You can't make it without a shepherd. You need a shepherd in your life. We've reached a place that we've all grown in so much knowledge that we're kind of stepping away from the plan of God. And we got so many voices ringing in our ear. The early church kept themselves under the apostles and these continued steadfastly in the apostles, teaching and doctrine. Paul had the boldness enough to say it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. You may not know what to do. You may not have everything under your belt. Just follow me. Just hang on. Just come on and go with me. Come. come. I love it. My grandchildren, I've watched them over the years. They'll come and stand by me or they'll hold, want me to hold them. And I've watched them, not only me, but their parents and, and the rest. They're watching us. They're mimicking us. They're also mimicking you. But the problem is, where are you leading them? Hello? Oh, y'all really quiet today. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, Paul said those, this, those things which you have learned and received and heard. Listen, oh, I love this. Those things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Paul just had enough boldness to say, I know you don't know, but just do what I'm doing. Sometimes that's all we need to do, even as kids. We don't have to have a lot. Just find somebody that's, hey, man, how are, they, how are they praying for the sick? How are they getting well? My faith may not be where theirs are, but what I can do, well, I do notice they got a little bottle of oil. They take it and smear it on their head, and they pray in the name of Jesus. I think that's what I'll do. Matter of fact, I don't know how many people I've seen over the years that have worked with Benny Hinn. When they've gone out on their own, they do exactly what Brother Hinn does. And he done what Catherine Kuhlman did. And some of you have been followers of Hagen, and you're doing what he did. So we learn. He said, those things that you've heard, those things you've learned, you've received, do them, and the God of peace will be with you. Why is it important? Jesus gives us an answer. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 9. He said, don't be carried away. Don't be carried away about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been coupled with them. Matter of fact, this thing is going to be so tight that Jesus said it like this. In the last days... There's going to be false apostles. There's going to be false, no, there's going to be false Christ. There's going to be false uh, prophets. And they're all, and let me make sure you're under, that is somebody that's saying, I'm speaking for God. 
He said they're going to rise up and they're going to be so active and they're going to do they're going to do signs and wonders and if possible the very elect the very elect will be deceived. Those are the words of Jesus. John spoke it in his writings. He said, try the spirits and see whether they be of God. Sometimes one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to pull us out of our lanes and get us into the lane of somebody else. I sat with pastors over the region, called meetings, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, tell them, get back in their lane because they're trying to operate out of somebody else's lane. And if you get in another lane, you're either going to get run over You're going to get run over or you're going to have to find your way back real quick because you'll get lost. But I have a responsibility to say, hey, I don't know if if that's God or not. And listen, church, there's a lot of great voices out there. Please hear me. But it may not be for us. And for this time for us. And if you're not careful, everybody's pushing. This is where we need to go. No, I've got a responsibility to lead this house and to judge the words. To make sure you are safe and that you are prosperous and you're whole. Whew, y'all scaring me this morning. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he said he gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Listen to this, right in the middle of it. That we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There's so many winds blowing right now. This is a group that says, hey, follow me because we're right in the middle of it. This is a group that says we got it. That group says we got it. And we're being tossed and don't even realize it. This is why we need a pastor in these days. We need godly leadership over us that will hear the voice of the Lord, the responsibility that God has given us. Let me land the jet as the worship team is coming back. Hebrews 13, 17, it says this. Obey them that have the rule over you. I didn't say it, Paul did. Put it up on the screen. Can y'all read that with me? Obey those that have rule over you. Oh, y'all didn't say a word. Come on. Obey those who have rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your soul. Now, see, we get in trouble with two words, obey and rule. I am not submitting to nobody. Because we've been hurt and wounded by junk. We've watched it. Many of us grew up in those areas. I'm I'm not going to die. I've been hurt. The word obey doesn't, the word obey actually just simply, if I give an instruction, give a direction, I'm just using me because I'm the one preaching this. Then wait a minute, I need to take that God has just spoke to me and given me an instruction of what I need to do. And the word rule there just simply means that leads you. And the word submissive, boy, that's a bad one. That's really a bad one. It just simply means yield the way. You know what I've come to find out, church? If something is of God, you can't stop it. And if it's not of God, it won't last. And we really get bent up over a lot of stuff. 
times in this chapter, Paul deals with the leadership and the sheep. Two times. But he said, I've got to give an account. And notice, the re- keep that up. There you are. He said, let them do it with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. So wait a minute. If I've heard from God to give you an instruction or to impart something in your life and you refuse it, it's off of my hands. But it could mean the profit in your life or the lack of profit, profitability in your life. I don't know how many times people have come what direction. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Well, you've already got your mind made up what you're going to do. Families come, that's in trouble. Pastor, will you help us? Yeah, we'll, we'll help you. But nine times out of ten, most of them already made up their mind. And if we give them an instruction that goes against the other one, we just become an enemy. Man, it's tough. But it's to their profit and their profitability if they will heed how God works. Here's the last thing. i got to land the jet. My time is up. We need each other like we've never needed each other before. Hebrews 13.1 says this. Let brotherly love continue. We need each other like we've never needed before. The last, some of the last words that Jesus had with his disciples were in John chapter 13 when he washes their feet. And then he says, a new commandment I give to you in verse 34 is that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. And the word love there, if you keep it in context with the, with the chapter is, we do life together. We sit down together. We serve one another. We wash one another's feet. We make sure that we're cared for. He went on to say in verse 2, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. In other words, he's talking about we need to treat everybody equally in a sense. I don't know how to say it better. I don't know if the word equal is the right word to use. But even people that is of of faith, of the body of Christ, people are not, I need to treat them because I never know that God might be sending an angel in my way. Then it's interesting to me, verse 4. He said, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornication and adulterers, God will judge. Um, I really believe he's dealing very straightly there with marriage, but I believe there's a greater picture because I believe he's dealing with covenant. That we are people got to remember that we're in covenant with God. And if you're in covenant with God, you're in a relationship with his body and that we are to be faithful to one another. We're to be faithful to one another, honor one another, respect one another. Notice what he said, and the marriage bed is undefiled. He's talking about intimacy. It must be there, that intimacy among one another. What we're doing through our life groups isn't giving another room for somebody to teach a class. We're trying to build meaningful relationships that we know where each are at so that we know how to help. Because not everybody receives the same way. This is the place that God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
You want to know where God is? He's among a group of people that that are going beyond the norm of just showing up and say, wait a minute, this is my body. This is my church. This is my family. I'm here. And God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Donald Trump said it the best back several years ago. Whether you like him or not, his words were true. He's talking to evangelical leaders. If you guys could ever just get yourselves together, you'll change the world. But we can't get it together because we got too many ideas and too many things to do. Friends, I'm talking about more than showing up. It's really about connecting and doing life together. I sat with somebody yesterday or the day before, I can't remember, that was encouraging me some things I needed to hear. He didn't know that, but I needed to hear it. I needed to be reminded of some things that that I once held close and did, but time and things can let things slip, and before you know it, not anything to do with evil, but it would just kept me in the place of where I really needed to be before the Lord. Paul tells us in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, we're to encourage one another and we're to build one another up. That word build one another up simply means this. We're to help improve one another. Now I know some of us are pretty close to perfect. So there's 1% that you still need help with. Okay? But that's what he said. We're to encourage. We're to build one another up. We're to pray for one another, confess our faults to one another, that we might be healed. I'm done. I'm closing with this, and I'm going to speak a blessing. One of the greatest football coaches of all time was Paul Bear Bryant. Right, Alabama guy, right, Miss Jenny? He had some of the greatest football players on his team. I guess of all time. And this is what he did. Every season, when they'd start the new season, they'd come into that room with his playbook under one hand, under one arm, and a football in the other. He said, gentlemen, this is a football. What a duh thing to say to a group of young men that have lived this life their whole life and dreamed of playing. The best of the best are sitting in that locker room. Because here's the thing, you never get away from the fundamentals. Back earlier in the year, I kept hearing you say to me, it's back to the basics. We never get away from the basics. Never get away from the foundation. And I'm challenging this house. I don't know what future looks, but I'm telling you what I believe. We got some difficult things ahead of us. Our nation proved it this past week. And when they went to the polls and they said, we want abortion over the plan of God. We're being faced with the potential of World War III, with threats of nuclear war and everything else there, and with threats of stuff even here in our own nation. 
It's not to put fear into anybody or scare anybody. It's just to tell you difficult times are ahead. Many of us have faced it. You have. Our economy has seemingly slid down the tubes. We're doing everything that we know to do. And somewhere, you and I are going to have to have a solid, strong place that we can stand on. When you've done everything, the Bible says, it says stand. Jesus said, a wise man is a man that builds his house upon the rock. And that rock was the man that heard the word of the Lord, and he did it. Jesus said, he's a wise man. Because when the wind comes and the storm comes and the floods come, that house will stand. But a foolish man is a man that chooses to do his own thing. And the wind's going to come and the storm's going to blow and the flood's going to come, but that man will not be able to stand. It's not an issue of will it come. It's only an issue of when it comes. All my life, I've heard that we could go out in a pre-tribulation rapture. I'm being honest. I hear more people talk, we don't know. We may have to go through some tribulation. We may go in the middle of it. We may have to go through it. Whatever, you and I better be able to stand. Because if we can't stand now, we won't be able to stand after Jesus comes. You and I have got to be solid and be strong. I don't want to see any of you moved. I don't know what's going to come our way. I would encourage you, even as a people, not to put fear. You might ought to start supplying just a little bit more. Don't go steal all the toilet paper from from, uh, Sam's. But just put a few extra rows up. Have a few extra canned goods. Have a few extra things. Not only for you, but for your neighbor. Because we might be in that spot. not saying we are, but I'd I'd rather hinge on the side of safety than on the other end. So I want you to stand with me this morning. I've spoke to you for five weeks what we believe the will of God is, how to navigate the times. I've given you a plan, given you God's will. I've showed you what you need to do. Maybe there's somebody in this room that you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to give you an opportunity before I exit. It's 1128. I want to give you an opportunity to say, Pastor, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm tired of doing my own thing. If that's you, I want you to step from where you are and make your way to this altar right now. Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? Okay, I'm going to speak a blessing over you from the words of the Apostle Paul. That's how I feel the end today. It's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and verse 20. Put your hands up in a posture to receive. There you go. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you, what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.